Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! What's up, Montana? Welcome in. Nuanez now here on a Wednesday coming to you from the Missoula Broadcasting Company studios. We're on 102.9 ESPN Missoula as well as SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. Coulter Nuanez not in, so I'll be running it today from back behind the glass. Andrew Houghton with you on Nuanez now. Excited to bring it to you. Coulter's taking another little trip Heading down to the southwest, he'll actually be stopping in at Montana football's game against Utah Tech in St. George, Utah this weekend. So he's hitting the road a couple days early. Don't worry, you'll still hear plenty of Coulter Nuanez today. Jam-packed show for you on this Wednesday. We're going to kick it off, as always, on Wednesdays during football season. FCS insider Sam Herter going to join us live Sam working at Hero Sports Bet MGM, maybe the premier FCS analyst in the country, kind enough to give us a little bit of his time here to kick off Wednesday's show. Also going to hear from Kenneth Iden, defensive end for Montana State. He'll join us for a Montana State Minute later in the first hour. It's Wednesday, so of course we've got some wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill right here in Missoula for Wing Wednesday. You can win those at the end of the first hour. I'll talk a little baseball, check in on the MLB pennant races, the division races, what's going on in Major League Baseball. Of course, you can always watch all the MLB action at the Despo. 
Might bring in Jeff Safford, voice of the Missoula Paddleheads, to join us for that one for that segment as well. And then the second hour will get kicked off with a great conversation between Coulter Nuanez and former South Dakota State head coach John Stiegelmeyer. That'll be our ESPN roundtable, Montana State, of course, heading over to Brookings to play SDSU this week after losing to the Jackrabbits in the national semifinals a year ago. Jackrabbits went on to win the national title in John John Stiegelmeyer's final year as the head coach over there in Brookings. So we'll talk to Coach Stig, see how he is enjoying retirement, see what he thinks about this year's SDSU team that Montana State is facing, and just get an update on one of our favorite guests here on Nuanez Now. That'll be the ESPN Roundtable. And then we'll also hear from Junior Bergen in the second hour. Montana Grizzlies receiver, running back, kick punt returner, played a little bit of quarterback, on Saturday as well, had a big completion in the second half on a little trick play for the Grizz. So the jack-of-all-trades, Junior Bergen, preseason all-conference, preseason all-American punt returner, will join us on this week's Grizz Star of the Week. That's brought to you by Ryan and Miller. So jam-packed show for you here on your Wednesday. Again, Coulter Nuanez out today. I'll be coming to you live from the Missoula Broadcasting Studios. Andrew Houghton with you. Sam Herter joining me in just a couple minutes to talk uh, week one of the FCS season. I know some FCS teams played in week zero as well. But last weekend was the weekend where we got to see everybody in the country take the field. Finally feels good to have some, some takes, some analysis that's backed up by what you see on the gridiron. And not just what you're thinking in your head and what you're remembering from last season. Football season at all levels, rapidly approaching here. Uh, NFL season kicking off tomorrow. Lions and the Chiefs on Thursday night football to get that started. That always kind of sneaks up on me, the start of the NFL season. I mean, it's the same with the Cats and the Grizz, honestly. But uh, it's uh, the NFL dominates the narratives. It dominates the airwaves for months on months on months of people talking and speculating and picking their division winners and going over over under win totals and and paying attention to the littlest bits of of news and analysis from out of training camp etc cetera, etc cetera, and watching rosters get cut down analyzing preseason games it always catches me by surprise a little bit when the season actually gets here a couple bits of NFL news today mostly focusing on injuries as we're heading into the season Cooper Cup, of course, a, a friend of the show, former Eastern Washington wide receiver who turned into, for a year or two there, the best receiver in the NFL with the Los Angeles Rams, officially ruled out of the Rams season opener against the Seattle Seahawks with a hamstring injury. Sean McVay saying as well, uh, they haven't ruled out putting Cooper Cup on IR, which would mean a little bit longer term injury there. That probably not likely to affect the NFL too much this season. The Rams probably not going to be contending for a playoff spot again. But one injury that might potentially affect the top of the league, Travis Kelsey listed as questionable for that Thursday night opener for the Kansas City Chiefs as the Chiefs take on the Detroit Lions. Uh, Sounds like he tweaked his knee a little bit at practice on Tuesday. Sounds like it's not too serious, but uh, sounds like they might keep him out 
for Thursday night against Detroit. And of course, if that does turn into a nagging injury or an injury that keeps Travis Kelsey out for a couple weeks, that could uh, affect the top of the AFC for sure. One more piece of NFL news here before we bring on Sam Herter. Nick Bosa and the San Francisco 49ers reaching a five-year, $170 million extension that will make him not only the highest-paid defensive end in NFL history, not only the highest-paid defensive player in NFL history, the highest-paid non-quarterback in NFL history. Adam Schefter at ESPN breaking that news earlier today. Five years, $170 million, including $122.5 million guaranteed. Good news for the 49ers. Good news, of course, for Nick Bosa, Defensive Player of the Year caliber pass rusher for the 49ers there. If Krista Redpath is listening, congratulations to Krista as well. I know as a huge 49ers fan, our resident Big Sky Conference women's basketball analyst has has been stressing out about the Nick Bosa situation a little bit. So a couple briefs there. A couple other briefs from uh, around Montana. From the Montana Grizzlies. Just announced the other day that Montana Grizz volleyball coach Allison Lawrence signing a multi year contract extension, coming off the best year in Grizz volleyball history or in modern Grizz volleyball history. Uh, last year, the Grizz beat Montana State twice. Uh, Allison Lawrence was named the Big Sky Conference Coach of the Year. Uh, so congrats to Coach Lawrence, uh, another favorite guest here on Nuanez Now. Great coach, great person in the community. Um, we always love talking to Coach Lawrence, so congrats to her, and it's looking up for that Grizz volleyball team after last year. Other news brief for the Montana Grizzlies, uh, the soccer program, Ashlyn Dvorak. The redshirt freshman goalkeeper originally from Billings West named the Big Sky Conference Defensive Player of the Year this week after she kept two shutouts over the weekend in Spokane. Grizz went to a tournament at Gonzaga, beat Utah Tech 4 to nothing, and then beat Oklahoma 1-0 in the first Power 5 win of head coach Chris Chitovitsky's career there at Montana. Ashlyn Dvorak has, uh, has kept four shutouts now in the first six games of the season for the Grizz. You'll hear a little bit more from Chris Chitovitsky about Ashland Dvorak on tomorrow's Nuanez Now when we'll bring you a little Grizz soccer update and also give you the opportunity to win Grizz soccer tickets as well as a gift card to Camby Tap House. That'll do it for the news briefs. Let's talk some football. Joining us now, I think we got him on the line. One of our favorite guests here on Nuanez Now National FCS analyst Sam Herter for Hero Sports. Bet MGM, you've heard him uh, a ton on this show. If you're an FCS fan, of course you know who this guy is. Generous enough to uh, to give us some time every Wednesday. Sam, first off, thanks for joining us, man. How was your week one? Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, week one was, was fun uh, to have, to have uh, you know games from Thursday all the way to Sunday. Um, and so was able to watch a lot of games on the TV. Also made it to U.S. Bank Stadium for NDSU Eastern Washington. So, yeah, overall, it was a fun weekend. Well, let's just start there. What were your impressions of 
not only that game between NDSU and Eastern Washington, uh, but sort of the event there, because I know that was a big deal. The FCS kickoff, two nationally prominent programs, playing it in an NFL stadium there in Minneapolis. What was your experience like? Yeah, I thought overall, you know, it was pretty good. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting because when this game was scheduled, I think NDSU um, and U.S. Bank Stadium, for that matter, expected this to sell, you know, between 35, close to uh, 40,000 tickets. Um, but last week at this time, you know, the the expectation was there was going to be, you know, between 15 and 20,000 uh, people there. Uh, the, the total attendance ended up being 22,000. Uh, so that's why it was weird is that, you know, it, was, it, it didn't meet expectations, but as far as a week ago at this time, it exceeded, you know, the expectations. Um, and so it was, you know, it's a 70,000 uh, seat stadium um, and, you know, 22,000, you know, people there for an FCS game for, for any FCS game is usually pretty good. But when you put it in a stadium that big, um, you know, it didn't look, you know, all that great uh, being there. But at the same time, you know, it was still cool. That's that's one of the, the, the best stadiums in the FCS. And so um, overall, I still thought it was a pretty, a pretty good experience uh, to be there. And, uh, you know, as far as the game, uh, I thought NDSU looked sharp. Uh, defensively, they played a lot better than what I expected, um, you know, especially with the new-look secondary defending that uh, pass-happy Eastern Washington offense. You know, I thought the, the defense looked really good. Um, and offensively, I thought NDSU – uh, opened opened the playbook playbook up a little bit more. Um, had a little more balance uh, at, at different times uh, during the game, and you know we'll see. You know I understand that Eastern Washington was not good uh, last year, and they also, especially down the stretch, you know really struggled. Um, and I think Eastern Washington is going to be a little better uh, than last year. Um, but you know a 35 to 10 win for NDSU. You know we could look back on it in November when Eastern Washington is maybe two and seven and say, okay, you know, maybe, maybe that victory wasn't as good as what it seemed. Uh, but as of right now, you know, I thought it was going to be like a, a seven to 10, 14 point NDSU win. Um, and so as, as far as right now, you know, NDSU exceeded my expectations for how they, they handled Eastern Washington. And that's, you know, really all we can go off of uh, as of right now. Well, a little bit of a, uh, two-quarterback look for the Bison, too. I know Cam Miller's still there, but they had another guy get some reps as well, right? Yeah, they've done that a little bit uh, in the past. Uh, you know, Cole Payton uh, is the backup quarterback to Cam Miller, um, and he's kind of more of a running quarterback. He's six foot three, 230 pounds, um, and so he was used last year as a running quarterback. Uh, two years ago, NDSU had Quincy Patterson as a running quarterback uh, behind Cam Miller, and so they've always kind of had a um, it's somewhat of a two-quarterback system, and now it's not to the extent of like a Montana State or a, or a Sac State where they, um, you know, split the reps. You know, that 50-50 of a Cole Payton had more touches and, and, and more overall snaps in this game against Eastern Washington than, than probably he, he had in any game uh, last year. And so they're, they're trying to utilize him uh, a bit more. I think NSU fans still want to see him throw the ball. Uh, in, in the few occasions that he did throw the ball uh, against Eastern Washington, look, didn't look all that sharp. Uh, but, you know, Cole Payton is a guy from uh, Omaha, and uh, I think, you know, shortly before signing day, uh, Iowa State offered him and Nebraska also offered him. And so he was a, a pretty big prize recruit for NDSU. He's just been stuck behind Cam Miller. And, you know, NDSU fans are kind of up and down on Cam Miller, and uh, some Bison fans want to see more Cole Payton. Um, and I think we saw a pretty good glimpse of, of what he could do running the ball against the Eagles. No doubt. North Dakota State Bison, of course, still a consensus top two or top three team in the country there. So a bunch of eyeballs going to be on them throughout the season. A little first-hand analysis there from Sam Herter, who was at their season opener against Eastern Washington in Minneapolis over the weekend. Sam, 
backing out and and just taking the view from thirty thousand feet on week one. You watch a ton of games, but but what in your experience from doing this for so many years, like you have, can you really take away from the first real week of the season? Yeah, it, it is you know tough, especially this particular opening weekend because there were a handful of FCS versus non Division one games. There were uh, a, a lot of FCS versus FBS. Uh, games and you know some of them were uh, saw some ranked FCS teams get blown out by Power Five opponents and there are also some unranked teams that don't have too high of expectations uh, like a Southern Utah or a Maine uh, that competed really well you know uh, against a group of five FBS opponents and so it, it's so hard to gauge because okay Semo loses by like 50 points to Kansas State meanwhile. Uh, you know, Southern Utah almost beats, uh, I think it was Arizona State. Uh, you know, so how, how exactly do you, do you juggle that? Does, does that mean that Southern Utah is better than SEMO? You know, I, I would probably venture to guess probably not. And so, um, yeah, a lot of these results were kind of hard uh, to gauge. You know, there weren't a ton of great FCS versus FCS matchups. Um, and, you know, the, the, most of the FCS versus FCS matchups we did see were, uh, you know, top 25 teams versus maybe, you know, bottom 40 teams in the FCS. And so it was hard to gauge, uh, you know, kind of the, the landscape of things so far. But, you know, of course, the, the more results that come in and uh, the more games we watch, the, the better feel we can get of things. Well, it is so tough at this level, right? Because like you said, I mean, the scheduling just is what it is. Even if these teams aren't playing the money games against the Power Five, in which case, what are you going to take out of a top 10 FCS team getting their doors blown off? Seems like a lot of the top 10, the, the top 15 teams in the country are then going the other way and scheduling, like you said, maybe a team that's not quite there in the FCS or even a non-Division one team. Like you mentioned, Incarnate Word, the only top 10 team that lost this week, 28-14 at UTEP. Has it just become a trend these last couple of years to, to sort of get the, uh, the unbalanced scheduling these first couple of weeks to where it becomes even harder to take anything out of those games? Yeah, you know, I, it's hard to say if it's if it's a trend. You know, just you know, off of surface level, you know, it does seem like a trend uh, to me as far as it, we're we're getting less, you know, marquee FCS versus FCS games. Uh, you know, obviously we're going to get one a big time this week when, when Montana State goes to South Dakota State. Um, and there are you know uh, some decent crossover games. Uh, the Big Sky and the Valley have their challenge uh, going on, but you know, I, I would love to see the CAA play more SOCON teams. And, uh, you know, I think that would be kind of a, a somewhat regional cross rivalry series uh, that they can do. Um, and I also think, you know, the, uh, the playoff committee in, in the past hasn't really sent, you know, a great message as far as how you should schedule in the non-conference uh, because it's become pretty clear that if you're a seven win team in the big sky or a seven win team in, in the Missouri Valley football conference, you have a really, really good chance to, uh, to make uh, the playoffs um, and, you know, not, not to pick on Montana or anything, but uh, you flip flop Montana's non-conference schedule last year with UC Davis's non-conference schedule last year, UC Davis is probably seven and four in Montana, six and five and UC Davis is in and Montana is out. Um, and I, I think the playoff committee has kind of sent a message with some of their, with some of their wording as far as, you know, it's, it's, 
you know, it was, it was hard to put UC Davis in at six division one wins when we're stacking them up against a, you know, seven win teams and eight win teams. Well, if you're UC Davis, you go, okay, then we're not going to, then we're not going to play South Dakota state in, in the non-conference because why would we do that? But in the FCS, I, I think those type of games are good for the FCS because it gets us talking, you know, it gets the energy, you know, flowing, it gets the social media discussion going when Montana state and South Dakota state play, and we have matchups like that, but you know, if you're Montana State, like, do you want to schedule these games? And kudos to uh, Montana State for and South Dakota State for getting this game on the schedule with the home and home series. But at the same time, if the message is, hey, play, uh, you know, one money game if you can, but if not, play three FCS teams that you know you have a great chance to, to beat. You know, just do that. And so you're three and zero in, in in conference or in non-conference. All you have to do is go four and four in the Big Sky. And at seven and four, you're you're probably in the playoffs. I don't think that's a great message. Um, I like to see FCS teams schedule tougher in the non-conference, but at the same time, I understand why they don't because it's all about setting yourselves up for the playoffs. No doubt, you're preaching to the choir there, man. Particularly with the the way the UC Davis Montana situation played out last year. Uh, you know, I think that it would have been helped if Eastern Washington was probably the same caliber as they were probably when that FCS kickoff game against North Dakota State was put on the schedule multiple years ago. That would have helped the Week 1 schedule look a little bit better, but a bunch of those teams, in particularly the top 10, top 15, coming out with blowout wins this week, holding on to their spots in the poll. Sam, real quick again here before we do, we do want to talk about particularly that Montana State-South Dakota State game coming up this week. Uh, Sam Herter, national FCS expert for Hero Sports and Bet MGM, joining us as he's going to do in the first segment of every Wednesday's Nuanez Now throughout the fall. Uh, but Sam, just uh, one more, maybe two more general questions here, and they can co- sort of go together. Again, taking the 30,000-foot view, who really impressed you this week and, and maybe who didn't impress you so much? Yeah, you know, Southern Illinois probably had the best FCS versus FCS win. Uh, they beat Austin P 49-23. Uh, you know, it, it was a blowout from the start. And so Austin P I think, scored a couple of times late to, to make it, I guess, not as ugly, but at the same time, they still lost by, you know, 25-plus points. But, uh, you know, SIU and Austin P. Uh, neither team was in the top 25 uh, coming into that game, but they both received votes. And so, um, you know, two pretty good FCS squads in Southern Illinois looked, looked really good um, in that one. I also was really impressed with Florida A&M taking it to Jackson State. Uh, JSU had a ton of momentum coming from uh, week zero. Um, and so for Florida A&M to, uh, to, be, tw- to be up 28 nothing at halftime was, was, of course, really, really impressive. Uh, as far as a performance that, you know, uh, I, I guess was a bit more disappointing. Uh, that would probably be Northern Iowa. Uh, you know, they lost 30 to nine uh, at Iowa State, and, and I know it's you know it, it, it can be hard. You don't want to judge a team too much off of their performance against a Power Five program. Uh, but Iowa State was was only favored by seven points over Northern Iowa, um, and a lot of us looked at this game as you know a, a game that Northern Iowa can keep it within uh, you know seven to ten points and. Uh, you and I really struggled in this game. Their star quarterback, Theo Day, he didn't play all that well. Uh, only 164 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. His offensive line didn't help him out. He was sacked five times. There was also five uh, quarterback hurries that Iowa State got. And so, um, it, again, it was a power five opponent, yes, but a lot of us expected Northern Iowa to compete much better than what they did. And then in in the big sky, anything that really caught you by surprise? I mean, it was it was sort of the story here that we've been talking about. I mean, UC Davis, 
Idaho, Sac State, Weber State, Montana, Montana State, sort of the top six teams that we think are going to be playoff contenders. None of them really played a team of the caliber to even challenge them, and and all of those teams walk away with wins. And then sort of at the other end of the conference, Northern Colorado gets destroyed by Abilene Christian. Portland State gets 80 points hung on them by Oregon. Uh, NAU loses by a ton to Arizona. I guess, you know, Cal Poly beating San Diego, probably expected because San Diego doesn't is a non-scholarship team in the, the Pioneer Football League, even though Cal Poly hasn't been great this season. Uh, and then Idaho State, although they put up a fight, losing to San Diego State. And any Anything to take away from any of those results for you? Yeah, you know, a, a couple of sp- uh, scores that stood out. You know, Idaho State competing really well against what is usually, you know, a pretty good San Diego State squad. You know, that, that stood out. You know, what what else? Something else that stood out for, for not a great reason, FCS-wise, is Portland State losing that game to Oregon. You know, 81-7, to that's just, you know, <laughs> that is not good there. I understand it's a Power 5 opponent, and, and Portland State probably pocketed half a million dollars, but... Uh, you know, the psyche of your team when you take a loss like that is, you know, that, that's something that, that certainly uh, comes into play. Uh, you know, Sac State uh, looked pretty good against Nichols, uh, kind of a, um, a a new look at, at the quarterback uh, situation there at Sac State. Uh, um, they only won by 14 points, but, you know, I thought Sac State, for the most part, was in control of that game. Uh, UC Davis and Idaho uh, and, and Montana State, for that matter, you know, really took it to their uh, inferior FCS opponents, and that's kind of what you're what you're supposed to do when you're you know a ranked FCS opponent is kind of overwhelm uh, some of those lower ranked FCS opponents, and then kind of on the same lines there, but for the opposite reason, uh, you know. And I tweeted about this too because I was in the U.S. Bank Stadium press box, and you know I was following the score of the Montana Butler game, uh, but you know I, I couldn't watch it, and so you know I just you know saw that it was you know a one possession game, and then into the third quarter it was still a one possession game, and you know I, I tweeted that I'm curious to go and rewatch this game just to see. You know exactly. You know what, what shook out you know, in this game because typically, you know, a Montana team or a team that is ranked like Montana would would beat a team like Butler. You know, forty-two to seven uh, or something like that. Kind of like um, I mean, you look at some other results as far as ranked FCS teams versus uh, Pioneer Football League teams. Youngstown State beat Valpo fifty-two to ten. UND beats Drake fifty-five to seven. You know, Butler, Valpo, Drake—they're all kind of in the in the same mid-league tier of the Pioneer Football League as far as the preseason poll. And so, Monta- for Montana to only win by fifteen points, I thought was was really you know intriguing. And I went back and watched that game, and you know it was weird because I, I didn't think Montana played all that bad. You know, I thought the offense looked more creative. Uh, you know, I thought it looked more explosive. You know, Sam Vidlock overall. You know, maybe there's some spurts there where the offense was out of rhythm, but. I was honestly kind of surprised that Vidlak got, got pulled in the fourth quarter there. I thought, you know, overall he looked pretty decent. Uh, you know, the defense, you know, lost some 50-50 balls down the field, but the defense was, was pretty disruptive. Um, and it was one of those things where, you know, I was watching it and going, you know, Montana, you know, they were playing pretty decent. Uh, but the one thing that I guess stood out is they Montana didn't do anything to make Butler look bad. Um, and like I said, with these type of uh, ranked FCS teams versus Pioneer Football League teams, Usually that pioneer team gets overwhelmed, uh, and Montana uh, did not do that to Butler. They they didn't beat up on Butler like Youngstown State did to Valpo or UND did to Drake. Uh, Butler kind of just hung in there and hung in there and hung in there uh, and didn't go away. And usually in these type of matchups, you want to see you know a team like Montana just you know eventually overwhelm uh, Butler and take it to him, and it and it obviously ended up being a lot closer than than a lot of us expected. No, I'm right there with you, man. I sort of tried to convey that in my my post game story for Skyline Sports. Uh, you know, you you're playing the opponent on the field in those early season games, but also 
you're sort of playing the double standard of the expectations and what you're supposed to look like. I mean, everybody knows going into that game that Butler's not really supposed to be competing with Montana. I mean, the Grizz were 38.5-point favorites going into that game, and so you, you get the win, you come out 1-0, and and like you said, I agree with you. I think the Grizz looked pretty good in a lot of areas in that game, uh, but, you know, it, it can almost feel... Not that it can feel like a loss, but just it, do you feel better as a Grizz fan coming out of that game than you did going in? That's sort of the other competition that you're in in addition to the game on the field. A couple more minutes here with Sam Herter, National FCS Insider from Hero Sports and Bet MGM, kind enough, kind enough to join us for the first uh, segment of every Wednesday's show here on Nuanez Now. Sam, let's look ahead now to this week, and let's get things started, of course, with that huge SDSU-Montana State game in Brookings, rematch of the national semifinal from a year ago. Line came out on Sportsbet Montana earlier this afternoon. Jackrabbit, six-and-a-half-point favorites. Does that sort of match up with what you're thinking going into this one? Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to see a blowout game similar to what we what we saw in the semifinals. Um, you know, just because uh, we've seen it before too. You know, in the past when when two good teams match up against each other, and you know, there's a blowout. Uh, you know, one year, then the next year they have a rematch, and you you rarely see a blowout. You know, a second time uh, in a row. And so, uh, yeah, I do think this is going to be a much closer game, a much more com- uh, competitive game. Uh, Montana State is fully healthy. Uh, you know the field conditions will will be will be normal, and so we'll see. You know if that helps. Um, although you know South Dakota State's defense looks looks even faster and even more physical and even more hard hitting than than what it did uh, a year ago at this time. But at the same time, Montana State's you know rushing offense. If we're going off of that first game, they look just as good, if if probably actually even better than than last year. And so um, you know just a gigantic uh, matchup between these two, and it's going to uh, tell us a lot uh, about both. You know, with South Dakota State, you know, it's them versus the field. That's what a lot of people are saying, me included. Uh, can the Jacks deliver on that hype? And, uh, you know, can they not, you know, succumb to, to that pressure of, of feeling like they have the weight of the world on their shoulders and they play tight and all that. Um, then on the flip side, Montana State, you know, has gone on such a an unbelievable run, you know, even going back to the 2019 semifinals. Uh, but the last couple of years, you know, obviously making the title game, making last year's semifinals, you know, I know you guys have said it, that this is, you know, arguably the best run that Montana State football has had. Yet, when we measure them up to North Dakota State two years ago or South Dakota State last season, you know, it kind of got run off the field and owned in the trenches there. And so, can Montana State close that gap? Um, and they probably have heard that all off season of of getting, uh, you know, pushed around in the trenches. And so, uh, a huge off season of of development for some of those younger offensive and defensive linemen for Montana State. And now we get to see if, if that gap is closing between Montana State and, and those those other two, uh, I guess, top-tier teams in the FCS. Huge matchup. Uh, sort of the, the exception to the rule that we've been talking about, about there's not a ton of great FCS versus FCS games early in the season. Well, it doesn't get any bigger than this one. Number one, South Dakota State hosting number three, Montana State on Saturday in Brookings in a matchup that comes with plenty of history as well. It'll be the third year in a row that they've played each other because they traded semifinal wins each of the last two seasons with the Bobcats getting one in 2021 and then South Dakota State returning the favor last year. Uh, South Dakota State also beat the Bobcats in the regular season uh, in 2018. 
Sam, last thing for you this week, and just to to talk about some of the other games happening around this con- around the country this weekend. What are you going to have your eye on? Whether that's good matchups at the FCS level, maybe potential FBS upsets. Uh, what's on your viewing s- schedule for this weekend? Yeah, this one is is hiding in the shadows of Montana State at South Dakota State, but uh, number twelve Weber State is going to number twenty one uh, Northern Iowa, and that's you know any other week that is you know probably the, the top game uh, of the week. Yeah, I, I'm really high on both of those squads, and so uh, you know that's going to be a, in a, a really good matchup. Uh, especially Northern Iowa coming off that loss. They don't want to start 0-2. Uh, at the same time, Weber State's, you know, maybe have, uh, you know, a few doubters, doubters out there, and in getting a ranked win on the road would, would maybe possibly silence some of those doubters for Weber State. As far as FCS versus FBS, you know, Idaho go, goes to Nevada. Uh, I actually, uh, it wouldn't be too much of a shocker if Idaho enters that game as like a two-and-a-half-point favorite or something like that. Um, I do think Idaho has a, a great chance to go in there and get an FBS win. Uh, Southern Illinois going to Northern Illinois. New Hampshire goes to Central Michigan. And Holy Cross goes to uh, Boston College. Uh, those are three more FCS over FBS uh, games that I think could be really, really close and have the potential for FCS over FBS wins. He's Sam Herter, the man. Uh, if you're talking anything FCS nationally, uh, writing for Hero Sports, uh, Bet MGM. Sam, just tell everybody where they can where they can find you at. Yeah, uh, our website is HeroSports.com, and then I'm on Twitter at Sam Herder FCS. Well, good to hear from you as always, man. Uh, great analysis as always. Uh, good to catch up with you, and uh, let's do this again next week. All right, sounds good. Thank you. There you go, Sam Herder. Giving us a little uh, national FCS analysis here on Nuanez Now. We got to get out, but we'll be right back. Uh, Montana State Minute coming up. We'll hear from Kenneth Iden, sophomore defensive end there for the Bobcats and a Bozeman product. That's coming up right after this. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. I think I played that one a couple weeks ago here on Nuwana's Now. Have to bring back a little smash mouth for a somber reason, uh, Smash Mouth lead singer Steve Harwell dead a couple days ago at 56. Uh, rest in peace to Steve Harwell. But that is Smash Mouth walking on the sun. 
bringing you back here on Nuanez Now. Coming to you live on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as SWX Montana Television statewide and the ESPN MT app across the world. Thanks for being here with me. I'm Andrew Houghton, Coulter Nuanez, on the road today, heading down to uh, the southwest. He's going to make a stop in St. George, Utah, to watch the Grizz take on Utah Tech on Saturday, uh, but also going to swing by the Grand Canyon, uh, do some other things down in that area of the country. We're sending you on the road with Brawl of the Wild by the Mile. It's brought to you by Town Pump. Town Pump keeping us here at ESPN MT fueled up for another season. Coulter, as I mentioned, on his way down to St. George, For Skyline Sports, Tom Stuber is going to be heading over to Brookings, South Dakota to cover that SDSU-Montana State game that we just talked about with Sam Herter in segment number one. And now Town Pump can help keep you on the road as well. We got a $50 gift card from Town Pump. Text me. Tough to answer the phone lines when it's a one-man show back here in the production studio. But text me, 406-888-1029. Text me your name for your chance to win a $50 gift card from Town Pump. Here's the Montana State Minute. It's MSU defensive end Kenneth Iden. Time now for our Montana State Minute, and we're joined by Montana State defensive end Kenneth Iden. He is a Bozeman product. Had a couple sacks against Utah Tech in Montana State's season opener Saturday night. Bobcats come away with a 63-20 win in the annual Gold Rush game. Kenny, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, first of all, just tell us about your offseason personally. It looks like you, you put on some strength and some weight. So uh, what were the main priorities? Uh, what, were your, what were your main motivations? Um, You know, after coming off that last uh, loss against SDSU, I think we as a whole group decided, you know, we need to get bigger, faster, stronger. And um, I think that was a big priority going into it was really hitting the weight room hard, making sure we're getting our body weights up, strength up, speed up, um, make sure we're ready to go physically and mentally to take on, you know, the opponents of the season. Um, So, yeah, I think that was a really big thing was making sure we were strong enough and big enough and fast enough to really put on a show, so... I talked to Brody Greeby about a month ago, and and he was saying that he thought often about the way your guys' season ended last year and how much motivation that was for him when he was running and lifting and training and all that stuff. Now the moment's here, though. You guys get a rematch against South Dakota State. So how do you sort of channel that? How, how do you sort of uh, turn that into, you know, re-motivation but not let it cloud your focus going into this week? Um, you know, I think a big thing we're trying to remember as a group is that it's, it's about us. It's not about them. You know, every week we got to make sure we're playing our game and playing, you know, our system and doing our job every single snap. Um, but obviously uh, it's a big motivator coming off last season, getting a little rematch against them. Um, I think, you know, that... I agree with Brody. You know, it was a really big motivator throughout the offseason. You know, we talked about it almost daily, you know, coming off that loss. And um, I think just going into week two is, you know, using that emotions and trying to channel them in a way that uh, fits our system and our scheme and making sure we're doing our job just to the best of our ability and really making sure we're pushing ourselves and making sure we're finishing every play to the whistle and, uh, you know, laying it all out there. So. 
number one team in the country, defending national champs, but I know you guys have huge aspirations for yourself as well. So what do you think of this early season opportunity? You guys must be so excited. Yeah, it is a pretty exciting opportunity to get to test ourselves against one of the best uh, teams in the country. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it'll be a good test for us to see where we're at. Um, after this game, you know, we'll have a pretty good idea of what we need to work on and not work on in terms of going against the best, best team in the country because um, we feel like we can be that by the end of this season. Um, but obviously, it's an early test now, so just got to make sure that we come out firing on all cylinders and sticking to the game plan. And, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be a good game for sure to watch early in the season, and it'll be exciting to see who comes out on top. So, Montana State Minute here on Nuanas Now. It's ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Appreciate you tuning in all across the state of Montana. Kenneth Iden joining us here on our Montana State Minute defensive end there for the Montana State Bobcats. Uh, how about the battle up front? I mean, uh, South Coast State has a great offensive line. You guys have a great defensive front seven. So um, how do you mentally prepare yourself for that element of the game? And, and what do you think of the matchup overall? Um, You know, just mentally preparing ourselves. We just got to make sure, like I said before, a big thing you say in the D-line room is know your job, do your job. And, you know, don't try and be a hero, but make the plays when they come to you. Don't try and hunt things up. And I think we can't let the moment get too big. Obviously, they're a good opponent and you know they get a lot of attention and there's a lot of hype around this game but we got to make sure that we're playing within ourselves and playing hard and playing fast and uh you know executing our assignments and our jobs every single snap and uh i think overall as a matchup i think it'll be a really good test you know two heavyweights going at each other uh week two will be a really good test for us and them i think and really give us a good idea of where we measure up so i'm excited for it how about uh, for you personally? I've been so impressed with the motor that you play with and and your get off and all that ever since you were in high school. And now it seems like that's translating at the college level these last couple of years as well. Where does that come from? I mean, where does I mean, it seems like you just really love football? Yeah, I do. I mean, my dad played for MSU back in the '80s, and you know, I've always grown up around the game of football, um, and it's always been something that I love, and it's given me so many opportunities in life. So I try and make sure that. You know, when I'm out there, I'm not wasting any minute because it's a privilege, not a right to play the game. And, you know, it matters to play it the right way, in my opinion, and the right way is to play hard and fast. And, um, you know, I just feel like as being an undersized guy, one thing that I can really bring to the table is my motor and effort and ability. And, you know, two things you can always control are your attitude and your effort. And I feel like if I can give two of those, if I can give those two things um, maximum, then, you know, I'll have a good shot of being successful. So. Well, I, I got to give you a compliment, and I know this is a huge, uh, a, a huge uh, role to fill or huge aspirations to live up to. But you remind me of Brad Daly. Did Did you have anybody look at, that you looked up to growing up? Did you know anything about Brad Daly when you were a kid? I did. Yeah, growing up, you know, I was obviously growing up in Bozeman, Montana. I went to every single guy game since yeah. I was like five years old. So you know, guys like Brad Daly, Bobby Daly, you know, Grant Collins. Uh, Dane Fletcher, you know, guys that I watched growing up and are, were really good role models for me and um, getting a chance to play with Bobby now, or play for Bobby Daly now and, you know, getting to work with Dane Fletcher at the pit in town growing up was always an awesome experience and, you know, just seeing how those guys went about their business and how they went, uh, attacked different situations and challenges was really a good thing for me in terms of growing as a person and a man and a football player, so, yeah. Well, it's awesome, and uh, it's cool you, you know so much about the legacy of it all because Montana State has such a great 
defensive line legacy. I mean, going back to probably even before your dad was even alive, they've had great defensive linemen there at Montana State. Yeah. I mean, is that is that something that you guys think about, though? I mean, is upholding that legacy? Yeah, I mean, we talk about it every day. You know, we obviously got this brand new uh, facility here at the stadium, and we always talk about how it's the guys before us that built it. We're living in it. You know, it's our job to uphold the standard and the legacy of this team and everything that was built before us. And we know that we couldn't be where we're at today without all the guys that came before us and worked their tails off for this team and this town and this community. Um, and I think, you know, that's a big thing we try and we try and focus on is that it's it's a lot bigger than just the individual guy and the team right now. You know, we we ride for the brand, as we say around here. You know, we wear the Montana State on our chest, and it, it's gone back for almost over 100 years. And it's our job to make sure that we're representing it the right way. And, you know, all the guys that came before us know that, you know, we're playing for more than just ourselves out there. So... Well, last thing for you, then, how cool is that for you as a, as a Bozeman High kid and a guy that's been around the program forever? I mean, this is uh, this is pretty incredible for you to be kind of living out your dream. Do you ever think about that? And if so, what does it mean to you? Yeah, I mean, it is a pretty cool thing, you know, growing up here, like going to Cats games, like I said, my whole life, and then finally get out there and get to go run out on Gold Rush. Um, last year for the first time was insane, and, you know, getting to do it again this year, I mean, it almost leaves me speechless just talking about it, but it's been something I've been working for my whole life, and to finally get to be a part of it and, you know, get to represent Bobcat football um, as a Bozeman guy and local guy, you know, it's just a, it's been a really big thing for me and something I love doing every single day, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's something I'm really excited about, so... Well, great stuff, man. Really appreciate it. Great catching up. Kenneth Iden here on Nuana's Now ESPN Radio. Thanks for making some time, man, and best of luck this weekend. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. We'll see you later. There you go, Kenneth Iden, defensive end for the Montana State Bobcats. Good piece, good developmental piece there. Bozeman native, as he talked about. Uh, had a good season last year as a redshirt freshman. Five sacks. Had a sack in last week's season opener against Utah Tech. It's Nuanas Now. You're listening on 102.9 ESPN radios, well as SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. We'll be back right after this, wrapping up the first hour. We'll be giving away some Desperado wings, as we do every Wednesday. Also talking a little baseball, hoping to be joined by Voice of the Paddleheads, Jeff Safford, to talk a little MLB to wrap up this first hour. That's coming up right after the break. You're listening Tanwana is now ESPN Radio. Tanwana is now on ESPN Radio. All right, one more Smash Mouth song bringing you back here on Nuana is now. Again, rest in peace to Steve Harwell, the lead singer of Smash Mouth, uh, dead at 56 just a couple of days ago. You're listening to Nuanez Now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as SWX Montana in the ESPN MT app. I'm Andrew Houghton. Coulter Nuanez, the namesake of our little show here, on the road. So I'll be holding it down for you from the production room. You just heard from Coulter in the last segment, talking to Montana State defensive end Kenneth Iden. You'll hear from him again to kick off the second hour where he'll host the ESPN Roundtable with former South Dakota State head football coach John Stiegelmeyer. But before we get to that little baseball talk, I'm joined now by voice of the Paddleheads, Jeff Safford, 
live from down there in Boise. Not a uh, not a not an official diamond time here, but we're gonna do a little diamond time. Jeff, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Uh, last what we think to be regular season road game here tonight in the other Garden City, Boise, Idaho. It's always been since twenty one. A fun park for me to come to, thinking back all the memories. Pioneer League Championship clinched in this yard two years ago, almost to the day, thinking about it, two Septembers ago, back in 21. Well, the season winding down here, uh, last couple weeks of the season, and then we'll head into the playoffs for the Missoula Paddleheads. Justice, what's real quick, what's the situation with the Paddleheads as the second half of the season comes to a close? Well, as we've been talking about on the broadcast, Missoula in a good position. They know they'll be playing in the Northern Division playoff, and they know that they'll have home field advantage through the, throughout the postseason. But their opponent for the first round, it's a very interesting scenario. And you've been following the Pioneer League. The Billings Mustangs have been on this torrid run coming down the stretch here, a historic one. They've won 15 games in a row coming down the stretch. With that run, they put themselves in a position to win the half, the second half. Right now, the Paddleheads and the Mustangs are pretty much deadlocked. 29-14 and 14 for Missoula, 30-14 and 14 for Billings. And Billings holds the tiebreaker in the second half. So if the half were to end today, it would be Billings clinching that playoff first. Now, if Missoula wins the second half, that would be an advantage for the Glacier Range Riders, who come in with a record of... 53 and 39, and the team that wins two halves, the playoff position is then devised by the team with the best overall record, which would then be Glacier. So Glacier wants Missoula to win the second half, and Billings, obviously, just wants to win the half outright to get themselves to the playoffs. So a lot to work out over these last three, four games. Well, the Missoula Paddleheads in the enviable position of they're in a pennant race, as just Jeff just explained, but they've also already got a playoff spot locked up. So regardless of what happens down the stretch here with the Billings Mustangs, they're going to be exciting games, but you will see the Missoula Paddleheads in the Pioneer League playoffs. You can listen to Jeff Safford's call as the Missoula Paddleheads take on the Boise Hawks in Boise tonight, starting at 645 on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. All right, Jeff, let's switch gears and talk a little MLB. About a month left in the Major League Baseball season. It's been a great season. We've had a a ton of great storylines, great performances that we've talked about throughout the season on Diamond Time. But we're really starting to get down to the business end of it now, and we're really starting to decide who's going to be in the playoffs. So just from your perspective... What races do you have your eye on the last month of the season here? Well, the one that jumps out right away for me is the AL West. Thinking about the Seattle Mariners kind of getting themselves right back in it with that huge month of August. They've kind of come on tougher times now, though, recently. They've 5-5 five and five in their last 10, and they've lost three games in a row. Just getting underway right now in the first couple innings against the Cincinnati Reds on the road, and they trail... The Houston Astros by a game. Right there also, the Texas Rangers, the team that's been there all season long, a veteran club with the big payroll, led by Bruce Bochy. So that's the main race I've got my eye on. And thing that is another interesting thing to keep in mind is 
the young Baltimore Orioles. They made this crazy run to the top of the division, this young team. You're thinking, are they going to be able to hang at the top? Seems to be the answer a resounding yes with a three-and-a-half game lead over Tampa Bay out there in the AL East. So it's been wild to see how the Orioles have been kind of learning trial by fire here. Yeah, I remember back in May talking about Tampa Bay is just lights out, white hot start to the season, and it seems like they were all that anybody was talking about. Well, four months later, the Baltimore Orioles, who have been playing good ball all season, 87-51, and 51, that's the second best record in baseball behind the Atlanta Braves, and they've got a three-and-a-half game lead over the Tampa Bay Rays at the top of the AL East and the AL Central. Minnesota six games up on the Cleveland Guardians, so it looks like the Twins heading to the playoffs. And you mentioned the AL West. As it stands right now, Houston with a one-game lead over Seattle and a two-game lead over Texas. So three teams there for the division and also uh, a close wild card race in the NL as or in the AL, excuse me, as well. Seems like whoever finishes second between Baltimore and Tampa Bay is going to take one of those wild card spots. But whoever finishes second and third in the AL West between the Astros, the Mariners, and the Rangers are going for a wild card spot as well as the Toronto Blue Jays in the East. So that could be interesting with three teams sort of for the last two wild card spots there. In the NL, Atlanta Braves running away with the East. Uh, Chicago Cubs making it a little bit close in the Central. They're a game and a half right now behind Milwaukee. So that could be one to watch. And the L.A. Dodgers have a double-digit lead, double-digit games lead over Arizona in the NL. But there again, really close wild card race, Jeff, because the Philadelphia Phillies and the Cubs holding the top two spots right now. Cincinnati Reds are in third for that third wild card spot. They're only five games over 500. And the Miami Marlins, the Diamondbacks, each a half game back in San Francisco, another two games back of those teams, who do you see making it out of Of sort of, you know, I don't think any of those are really great teams, but there's a playoff spot up for grabs there. Who do you see making it out of that mess in the NL? Well, I look at the top two teams up there right now, Philly and Chicago, and those two teams seem to be the two teams playing some of the best baseball right now. Surely Chicago, they are, they just got done sweeping the San Francisco Giants over the last couple of days. They've won their last four games in a row. And it seemed like their starting rotation is seemingly coming into form also. A couple of young guys helping out that rotation. Got to feel good also for Cody Bellinger, a guy that's really struggled with the Dodgers the last couple of years. Took a somewhat like a show-me deal, a one-year deal, and now it seems like is headed for a payday after a pretty solid season. And Philadelphia, you know, you think of them as the still the top dog in the NL, so to speak, to a degree, at least from a mental standpoint, having made it to the World Series last year. So you see Philadelphia with that certain mentality of confidence and then making a run from the wild card spot also last year kind of gives them that extra edge, just gives them that feeling like, hey, as long as we get in the tournament, we should be in good shape. Well, running a little bit short on time here at the end of the first hour, but Jeff, I got one more question for you, this has been such a great season for individual performances in Major League Baseball, right? And you think of Shohei Otani doing what he uh, was doing for the Los Angeles Angels before he tore his UCL. You think of Ronald Acuna Jr. going 30 home runs and 60 stolen bases, which is just mind-blowing. 
for the Atlanta Braves. I mean, there are guys who are on pace to, to hit 50 homers. There are guys who are on pace to drive in well over 100 runs. For you, what's been the the one player that you have enjoyed watching or enjoyed following the most from this season out of all of those great players and others I haven't even mentioned? I mean, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, some of the rookies like Corbin Carroll and Ellie De La Cruz. Just who's been the most fun for you to follow? Oh, wow. That's that's a tough one. I mean, there, like as you said, there's been so many cool storylines to follow. And I'll narrow it down to two. I mean, how can you not mention Shohei Otani's name? I mean, it just seems like every night he does something on a baseball field that we haven't seen before. And, yes, it's disappointing. Don't get to see him on the mound any longer. But he can still hit the ball well over 400 feet and still hit it over 115 miles an hour. That's what's so crazy about Shohei Otani. But me being a voice of the paddleheads, paddleheads have made a habit of hitting a home run. So, got to mention Matt Olson also. My goodness, just his pure power, ability, 45 bombs, and you mentioned it, already over 100 RBIs, 115 of them. And it just seems like every time you turn on the television, it's just long home runs for Matt Olson. So those are my two. Well, there you go. It's Jeff Safford, voice of the Missoula Paddleheads, great colleague of ours here at 102.9 ESPN Missoula. You can hear him live from Boise, Missoula, taking on the Boise Hawks. That broadcast will start at 6.45, so not too long after the end of Nuanes now. Jeff, good luck on the call tonight. Enjoy Boise, uh, but thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and uh, looking forward to the last couple of games of the regular season here, and then the playoffs. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you. But before we get to former South Dakota State head football coach John Stiegelmeyer, as well as Missoula, or as well as Montana Grizzlies wide receiver Junior Bergen, who you'll hear from both of those guys in the second hour, we got wings for you. Text me 406-888-1029 for your chance to win a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. The Despos, the king of wings in Missoula. We were just talking baseball. We were talking the pennant race. The Despo is the best place in Missoula to watch the stretch run of the Major League Baseball season. Swing into the Desperado to check out all the action as races for the divisions and the wild cards heat up. They've got the MLB package down there at the Despo so they can put on any game for you regardless of whether you're a Braves fan uh, you're a Diamondbacks fan, you're a Dodgers fan, you're a Baltimore Orioles fan. Heck, watching that close division race in the AL East, they'll have the game that you want, and they are also the king of wings in Missoula. So text me right now, 406-888-1029, with your name, for your chance to win a dozen wings from the Despo Sports Tavern and Grill. That's the first hour in the books. We'll be back right after this break with the ESPN Roundtable featuring John Stiegelmeyer, head, former head coach of the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. You're listening to Nuanez Now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app.
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 